Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. This is Irish Illustrated Insider Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson here on Thursday, September 15th. Notre Dame plays Cal this weekend, Notre Dame 0-2. It's a green jersey game for Notre Dame. Manti Teo will be back. Will Notre Dame be back with Drew Pine at quarterback? Yeah, that's this is the scenario I painted, right? <laughs> Drew Pine will look okay until there's film on him. Well, here's the chance. They have just a very little bit of film on him from last year. You know, he entered, uh, Drew Pine has 89 career snaps. Wouldn't you guess double that? Easily. He didn't play. Well, not that he, he never played again after the Cincinnati it's game last so year. so weird that he didn't play again. You know, like they had, they, they blew everybody out in November. It's a strange thing, but Drew Pine has played very little. Uh, he's played, he's half as many snaps as Tyler Buckner entering the season. How's that? That's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, that's probably the best way to put it. I, this is it. This is where Drew Pine, I thought, could come in and play well. Um, he is playing against a stout defense with a smart defensive coach and they are used to holding, they're not a team that defensively that kills teams, but they're used to holding teams under their average. And it'd be a big problem if Notre Dame can't get well above its average in this game. It's, I mean, it's interesting though. Like this is the worst defense he's played against. That's yeah. Well, if you're including Marshall's the way they're playing the fourth quarter. Yeah. I would (laughs) not include Marshall the way that game was playing out, but just like Cincinnati, Wisconsin, sure. Hell, if you want to throw the one snap against Alabama in there, I guess you could. There could they do were that better, as well. They were they were better on defense than much uh, better than Cal. Cal but yeah. it's I mean, it's such a huge test for Tommy Reese to figure out. All right, here's what Pine can do. Here's what Pine can't do. Uh, I talked to Ian Book yesterday about this, and he's I was like, "Give me the game plan." Essentially, what, what how would you do this if you were Tommy Reese? It's like a lot of first level, second level throws. If you want to take a deep shot. Maybe, but be willing to check it down, then run it on third down or second down, get to you know third and short, and then. But it's just going to be a lot of short stuff. Um, it's not, it's not going to be aesthetically pleasing if you're a Notre Dame fan. This isn't going to be sort of the game where Notre Dame's offense suddenly is unconstipated. Like it's, it's going to be a struggle. Um, you know, Drew Pine is not going to take deep shots the way that they tried to get Tyler Bruckner to take deep shots last week when he was one of seven on them. So. You know, out of the pocket, roll him out. Um, you're not going to run him, but you're going to put him on the run behind the line of scrimmage. So there's, I mean, there's stuff that Drew Pine does well. I'll just be interested to sort of see how much Tommy Reese is able to get into it. And then throw in the fact that the running game is compromised without Tyler Butner, a quarterback, and putting yeah. Drew Pine in there in that situation. I, you know, this Cal defense, again, I look at it uh, in terms of like components. Uh, when When we talked about Marshall last week, there were five or six guys where you point out, it's like, these are good defensive football players. And Marcus Freeman brought it up today. Ricky Correa, uh, their 6'4", 335-pound nose tackle against Zeke Correll, presuming, assuming that Zeke Correll stays in the starting lineup, which, um, I mean, on Monday, it was pretty much indicated that there wasn't going to be uh, a change there. Um, so... You know, that, that's a tough matchup for Notre Dame. Uh, the linebackers, Jackson Sermon and uh, Isabor, uh, those are Washington and, and UCLA transfers. 
Um, Hearns, their cornerback is very good. He had 10 passes broken up last year. Daniel Scott is probably the best defensive player on their team, their safety, who's definitely a, a, an all pack 12 candidate and has, has some abilities that could translate to, to, to more acclaimed postseason. So there's some good players here defensively. Notre Dame's offensive line better come to play. You know, I asked, I asked Marcus Freeman if, is there a sense that the, 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 you know, the players kind of feel the weight of the world on their shoulders with all the fanfare they can, and that's hard to speculate on, on his part. I get that, but they are playing tentative on the offensive line and they cannot afford to play that way this week, not with a new quarterback and not against a defense. It's certainly capable of slowing, slowing this team down. Yeah. I have a few follow-ups first to the playing tentative with the weight of the world. I think that happened by the middle of the third quarter because Marshall is still there. You know, I don't think Notre Dame came Fair out enough. that. Yeah, I don't think Fair Notre Dame enough, came yeah. out that. And I think it'll carry over to Cal. I do think it'll carry over to Cal because but don't you I, I, don't you get the sense that the offensive line when they're not moving their feet, it, there's a and and that's not a that's a not a Marcus Freeman thing that there's a fear of Harry Heastan. Oh I, yeah, that, that's different than the weight of the world for 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 Freeman. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um. And for for Pete, what Book said. I mean, I think if Notre Dame is going to run the ball in second and 10 a lot against this Cal team, they're going to be facing a lot of third and nine and a half. And that, no, that's, that's, that's I mean, that's not what book yeah. meant. Like book meant like short passing game on first down or in it, check it down. If you need to get to, you know, second and seven, then you, you can mean, run it on second and seven, second and six. Get you to mean Quinn, three. Right? You mean hmm. Quinn? You said book. You mean Brady Quinn? You talked to Brady. No, Quinn. I mean Ian book. No, he said Ian book. Oh, you did. Yeah. Not not only do I misspeak, I mishear now. <laughs> yeah, you're hoping it's Quinn all, was going to start. It's all was, it's, <laughs> different number ten. <laughs> um, but no, I think uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting matchup for me because I also think they missed seven deep throws, right? And miss Lindsey yep. on that fourth down when he threw the uh, the out route or come back to Lindsey when Lindsey kept going. Lindsey did the right thing. Lindsay, he had a corner squatting and Lindsay was gone. That was a touchdown on yeah. fourth down and he read it wrong. They have to take shots. I don't care if Pine can't throw them because I don't think Pine throws that great into the second level windows when there's a bunch of linebackers either. So it is tough for Tommy Reese and Drew Pine. It's got to be incredible decision making for Pine. And Reese said, look, we know what he does well. He offered it. We, I'm not going to tell you. You know, we know what he does well. We know what he doesn't do well. We have to augment what he does well. It's just a smaller window of things he does well because Tyler Buckner does things well and he's a great runner. Tyler Buckner doesn't do a lot of things well, but he's a great runner, and yeah. Pine doesn't have that. It's uh, if there's anything I've learned here through the early portion of the season, it's it's like when you analyze the opponent, you don't say that Notre Dame will take advantage of this. You say Notre Dame has an opportunity oh, yeah. to take advantage of this, and and that's what I'm getting to. In that, uh, this is not a it's not a very good offensive line for for Kel, and I mean even your Kel insider Tim recognized yeah. that. It, it's true. They've really. They've really struggled at right guard. They've struggled at right tackle. Ben Coleman is presumably, along with their center, Matthew Sindrick, are their best offensive linemen, but I've seen Coleman uh, beaten off the edge by UC Davis. So they're not in a really good situation there uh, on the offensive line. So it is a great opportunity for Notre Dame's defensive line, which didn't suddenly become lousy. Uh, they, they may have played poorly at times, but they're, it's, it's still the same group. That is deep and veteran. Maybe they're playing some guys at inopportune times uh, when the game is on the line, but this is still should be a, an advantage Notre Dame defensive line against this offensive line, which is a why I feel I feel comfortable in predicting that Notre Dame will force a turnover this week. 
uh, probably with Jack Plummer under duress and maybe even a strip sack kind of situation. They should have that advantage, which is part of the reason coupled with um, Notre Dame's situation offensively and Kell's defense, why this looks like a very low scoring game. You know, that game last week uh, was a two point conversion away from going over that crap fest we watched. I know. I said to you at one point, this thing might, it might go over. That was a two point. That was Notre Dame's last <laughs> two point conversion from going over. Now that two point conversion had the chance of working for about 0.007 seconds when everything was broken down and it was a one player out. I think Michael Mayer got open, by the way, on that two point conversion as Drew Pine was being uh, celebrated over by the sack. Mayer broke open. <laughs> but the, at Logan Diggs. I believe it's the blitz pickup. The left side was two wide receivers running routes that didn't go into the end zone on a two point conversion, which is always awesome. And uh, yeah, that's their ineptitude away from going over. That's why you do wonder if there's going to be enough defense in this game where they're just creating some short fields too, right? For both sides. I mean, maybe the yardage goes under, find the over under for yardage. We'll go under. Yeah. That's that's a good point because the turnover can certainly, uh, you know, obviously influence the, the, the scoreboard, but uh, you know, I will say this and I don't know. I don't know that I said it Monday because I hadn't necessarily witnessed it this uh, yet, but the best running back on the field this weekend will be Jay not for Cal, the the true freshman who, uh, you know, and again, he's playing behind offensive line. He hasn't been able to, the other running backs, uh, Damian Moore to Carlos Brooks haven't been able to spring anything, but Jay not has, and he's, he's a threat as a runner. He's a, a threat as a wheel route guy. They'll get, they'll get him the football, throwing it, uh, throwing the ball to him. And then I, you know, I like their receiving core, but it's young. Jeremiah Hunter and J. Michael Sturdivant and Maven Anderson are good as a group. I really like, um, their tight end, uh, Kalecki Latu. Uh, as well, but that, that it's a young receiving core going against a veteran Notre Dame secondary with what should be a pretty good pass rush against that Cal offensive line. So that's why I feel, and Jack Plummer has thrown an interception in each of the first two games. I, I, th- I think they, I think they get Jack Plummer. The problem is Pete, like we were talking about that uh, Notre Dame hasn't even, they haven't sniffed an interception. Have they at, at this no, point? They're not, they're not even close to a turnover. They haven't forced a fumble. I think only about 40 teams have yet to force a fumble and they have two PBUs on the season. So in terms of passes defended, they're dead last in the country. So it's there, there are a few steps away from being close to maybe forcing a turnover. Um, That's it's kind of a ridiculous place to be for any, for any defense, let alone one that has at least a handful of, of future NFL players on it. So earlier this week, we had the opportunity to speak to uh, both offensive coordinator Tommy Reese and defensive coordinator Al Golden. I think we were all caught a little surprised that they were made available to us, but nothing more surprising than they will be made available to us every Tuesday, which I asked Marcus Freeman about today. I thought it might be more of a transparency, face the music kind of thing. And he turned it into, oh, I want you guys to be able to talk to our coordinators, which is very accommodating. And we really appreciate that. But um, I, I guess your thoughts on on us meeting with them every week and how that will go over the long haul of a season that could get a little uh, rocky as we continue forward here or continue to be rocky. Anything that reminds me of Bob Diaco is welcome. 
Um, and I immediately thought to Bob Diaco post Navy 2010 with the no plan B quote, which was, why would you have a plan B? I mean, come on. What's the point? That was what the last time we talked go? to what assistant coaches during the season. That was it. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? No, I, it's uh, I thought it was funny that someone said to Reese, see you next week. And he's like, what? <laughs> he didn't know they had to come back. Oh, he didn't. Oh, <laughs> really? But then he was like, I'll bring beer next time. Yeah, he, then he said, I'll bring beer. He said, I'll bring the beers. Yeah. Um, that's interesting that it's every week and uh, it's, it's welcome. It, it's hugely important. We, the utility of talking to the head coach in press conferences, no matter who the head coach is, it's just, they don't, they don't want to give you, they can't give you that much really. Right. It, it's an overview of the situation when you're Owen to when Marcus Freeman says it's execution and people get mad and say, he's blaming the players. What about the coaches? Well, what if he thinks it's the execution? You're damned if you do. And you're damned if you don't, when you answer questions as a head coach, if he said it's the coaches, all of us would know the players aren't doing things right. right. I mean, you it, think it was the coaches that Xavier Watts and Brandon Joseph fell down when they had most important tackles of their careers right there? That's it is the execution. It absolutely is execution. Now, it's be, the coach's yeah. responsibility to to get them prepared to sure execute it properly. But, but it is execution. And I know people don't want to hear that, but that's exactly what is happening, is that Notre Dame's offense is not executing. And Notre Dame's defense with the game on the line and – the opponent on their own five yard line executes against the defense. Now, I think Pete brought it up first. Like it's on Tommy Reese for going through August and thinking the offensive line is going to be a strength of this team. We're going to build on that. These three running backs are going to augment it. And we're going to be able to do all this stuff with Tyler Buckner. And then it doesn't work. That is on the coaches. Yeah. Yes. That's a misidentification of what, yes. of what I think got. when it's these games are super close coming down to it. And you can look and say, if this, this, and this happened and you're a coach, you just think, well, if just those three guys would have executed, we had it. The problem is three. You can't. Yes. Well, is well, that all? Only, yeah. only well, three busts get, on that play. You could, be, you could be one and one. How's that with three? Okay. Three guys right. Hey, if two guys executed it with certain safety blitz a couple weeks ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation about Notre Dame right now. But, and that was a bad call. Anyway, it's. I, I feel like the coordinators help because we can get into the nitty gritty. That was the point of this. Is do they help us? Yeah, I know fans don't want to hear from any coaches at this point. And all they want to hear is why isn't this being said? Why isn't, why aren't they admitting that they've done this wrong? But I think Al Golden and Tommy Reese can give us better insight than Freeman in 30 minutes. On oh, the there's, no, there, there's, there's no doubt about it. Because, well, in the set, be, mainly because of the setting, because yeah. with Freeman, we get on Thursday, we hit, get one question. Now, if you get back in line, like I did today, and there aren't enough questions, you get another one. And then on Monday with Freeman, it's a question and a, a follow-up. Whereas the setting that we have for, for Reese and Golden's a lot more casual, us standing around a table firing questions at them. And, you know, I mean, think about how long did we have, how long did we have Golden and Reese, like 15 to 20 yeah, minutes? 15 minutes no, a piece. I mean, not, more than, not more than 15. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was it was around 15. But think about how many, because of the setting, how many more questions we were able to fire at them. Because yeah, I guess people listening probably don't realize we have them upstairs and whatever you watched. Yeah, what everybody else sees is downstairs, not, but yeah. The, the the camera people are downstairs with right. them and we're upstairs where it's more of a more of a give and take mm-hmm. uh j- just the setting allows for it I, I, and i think it's i think it's more candid than when they you know they know they're standing up in front of a camera but anyway um well hey uh green jerseys this weekend i love the idea it was something that i i know somewhere along the line i threw out why not just make one home game a year, a green Jersey game and be done with it instead of the constant speculation. And I, you know, I was at the 77 game when they came out in green jerseys and you had, you had no basis for 
Like it's one of those double take, like, I can't believe what I'm seeing kind of thing. But from that day on, there was always, you would never be shocked if they came out in green jerseys because you knew that there was a, a possibility. So hell with that. Just name a game. You couldn't do it. For, you couldn't do it with Marshall because it would have been green on green all day, everywhere in the stadium. Game two against Cal. I I, I remember saying last game of the year uh, in, in Notre Dame Stadium, green jersey. But I I think it's a... I think it, I think it's kind of a neat thing. It's not going to impact the game one way or another, but I think it's kind of a neat thing. You yeah, I think it's a neat it, thing. Sure, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's laundry. Um, the players want to do it, do it. Yeah, that's about it. Um, but considering they're zero and two, I have a hard time. Uh, green jerseys, like it was planned though. Situ- I mean, I'm just like whatever. It, it's they were supposed to be one and one. One and one, or they're supposed to be one and one or better in their mind, right? Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it it this is the game where kind of felt like the first big home game because Marshall wasn't supposed to do anything to Notre Dame when they made this green jersey plan. The green jersey, this this made sense. It's good weather. Stanford's already night game. There's automatic buzz there. Green jersey for UNLV doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then it's cold. Clemson has its own cachet to it already. Then it's too cold. And wear your green jerseys against Cal and don't be 0-2 next time you do it. And again, and again, for what it's worth, the darker version of it, I like can't remember them as long as it's not the Boston College 02 jersey. I'm yeah, that was the not good. Yeah, the yeah, <laughs> lima bean green. Yeah, I think that's that, kind of the, from Ghostbusters. The, the color, yeah, the color of the jerseys created the seven fumbles that day. <laughs> no, they did. They were slippery. The ball's bouncing off people's jersey. I think they had slippery gloves on too, apparently. And lastly, in segment one, Manti Tail coming back. Um, I finally did. Did I talk about this in the podcast? And I finally saw the the uh the untold documentary that they had and um thought it was really really well done well orchestrated um you know on the timeline of everything i thought it was really well done but uh really cool to have manti tail back on, on campus this weekend yeah yeah that's that's gonna be fun we'll talk to him in the press box uh about one o'clock seems like he'll have a chance to talk to the team marcus Freeman was a little vague on that I know he has, uh, according to Notre Dame Media Relations, there's a jam-packed manti tail schedule coming up. So we will be part of it, but we'll be in a, upstairs in the, in the uh, press box. This segment of Irish Illustrated was brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, located on Fremont Street in historic downtown Las Vegas. Circa is the home of the world's largest sports book where you can watch up to 19 games at once. You want to be outside? That's no problem. There's no better place to take it all and take all the college football and NFL action in than stadium swim, six pools of three levels and a 40 foot tall high def screen to watch all the action. Irish fans, when you come to town for the Nordame BYU game, Circa is a place for you. For reservations and more information, go to CircaLasVegas.com. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. In 1916, Irish rebel forces have taken up position 
on the north side of Dublin's St. Stephen's Green Park. They exchange fire with the British to the south. Suddenly a man enters the park with a brown bag above his head. Both sides cease fire. The park's groundskeeper has come to feed the ducks. For the next six days there is a daily ceasefire so the ducks can be fed. Learn more when you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. Burning Up the Boards is brought to you by Game Day Your Way. Notre Dame football fans, make your trip to South Bend easy this fall with the help of Game Day Your Way. Services include tailgates, transportation, tickets and more, making Game Day Your one-stop shop for Notre Dame football weekend. Learn more at gamedayyourway.com and use promo code IRISHPOD22 to save 10% on your tailgate package. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from Norm91. Are you surprised there does not seem to be any lineup changes for the offensive line? Under what scenario could you see Patterson moving back to center? Well, something we mentioned in segment one, if if there, if Kel's six foot four, 335 pound nose tackle manhandles Zeke Corral, I could, I could see the move of Patterson back to center. And then whether it be Christophic or Carmody, I think it would be those two guys. I know people want Josh Lug replaced. Josh Lug is not going to be replaced at, at right guard. It's a six-year senior with great size and great knowledge of what needs to be done, whether it's actually executed or not, is another matter. But, uh, I, you know, I'm not surprised. I, I just The one scenario that I painted would be the, the, the one move that I think that could be made um, after this game. I would like to, I think I said this a couple weeks ago or after Ohio State, like I'd like to see them give this line some run, like let Patterson get a little bit healthier, um, yet Blake Fisher get back into form here, like see what this line looks like when, when the guys are playing well before pulling the plug on it. Um, but in terms of when you could do that, I mean, the bye week is just a couple weeks away. And yeah that's when I think you would make that kind of a move. Well, what I, I mean, I generally agree with you, Pete, because that's what that's generally the decision that coaches make. The question is, will Zeke Corral continue to, or, or start to improve? And I don't think that that happens this weekend against the matchup that he has. I agree. Um, I think when you say expect, and we're in week two and into Pete's point about it's hard, you know, you want to see what your line can do. Let's remember this. Notre Dame, in Notre Dame's mind, would be one and one right now, worst case scenario, and ranks seventh in the country as their line is trying to coalesce against Cal, who they knew would be a challenge on one side of the ball, and against North Carolina, who doesn't stop anybody, and then the bye week's there. I really think they thought we have a good chance to get this line rolling by the time we hit BYU and Stanford to a lesser extent and going into November. I don't know if it will. Um, and when Tim, I know with a lot of people probably cringe and you didn't mean it this way when you said there might be a change after this week because of the 335 pound nose tackle, if he's going to get the best of Zeke Carell, well, they're probably thinking, why can't it be during this week? <laughs> because the 335 no, pound yeah. nose tackles right there. So I get it. I get yeah. the reaction to me talking about Josh Lug, but I don't think they're replacing Josh. I don't Lug. think they're replacing Lug either. Um, Christophic, we don't have like, we've never actually, investigated this but i've never heard harry he say anything about andrew christophic that was complimentary i agree agree. and he replaces him with with josh with zeke carell effectively yeah he had jared patterson coming back so he chose but but i think we all agreed that zeke carell against north carolina and alabama two seasons ago was pretty was pretty good i mean he he more than held his own against alabama How, how did 
I thought Josh Lug was pretty good three seasons ago at right tackle when he replaced Robert Hainsey, but it's just kind of a yeah, strange no, situation, true. you know, yeah. very, it's weird. Yeah. Like I, we, like we can, I mean, I, I understand where fans are coming from, but the coaches on the offensive line, they are reluctant to make probably more at, at that position yeah. than, than any are reluctant because, because chemistry is so important to speak to, to Pete's point. Chemistry is so important that they're reluctant to make changes especially after one or two games, because they, they just went through all of August, presumably feeling good about the choices that they've made. Uh, and you don't want to, you know, whatever little chemistry you developed, you don't want to spoil that. Yeah, I think uh, it's worth noting that last year when they made the double change, Alt was just the last of four guys at tackle. Right. He, he had to play. He was better than Tosh Baker. Carmody wasn't right. And Fisher was out. Christophic was the change. That was kind of the inspired, you know what, this isn't working. We're going to get bigger. So they really made they made one change, and Joe Alt was absolutely forced upon them, and he did well. It was worked out yeah. well, but he that was a forced change. It's kind of like they didn't sub in Jade Mickey for Tariq Bracy on the nickel. Tariq Bracy was hurt. That wasn't like right. a rotation. It just that, yeah. it's something right. that happened there. Alt had to play. MMB four asks, did we underestimate the turnover in coaching the offensive and defensive line in particular? This stuff takes time, right? Well, we all missed on the defensive line, me at the top of the list. Um, I think we tried to – I definitely brought up that I wasn't sure the offensive line was going to be as good as everybody was saying it was nationally because it didn't make sense. They would go from terrible to, to great. Terrible to pretty good made sense, but terrible to great. Well, you you hoped that they could build upon last year. You're right. Uh, Ohio State's a difficult opponent to build upon yeah. from last year, and, and I still think that despite the the transfers that Marshall brought in, you know, you 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 should you should have won that battle. You should have handled man. Marshall's line. Marshall's yeah. corners are different than everything else. They played inspired football up front. They were taunting Notre Dame as they were tackling them, but they can only taunt because they're dominating you. If you if you keep piling them in the face, they're not going to taunt you. Yeah, when I made the comparison to Cincinnati, it was like, oh, now you're elevating Marshall to Cincinnati's level. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they had two lockdown corners, and Marshall proved that I, Cincinnati had two great. One great corner, one really good corner. One great corner, and the other guy won the Thorpe Award. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they had, they had two great corners. corners. Yeah. yeah they had, okay, so they had two great corners, and Marshall's corners are going to be good, uh, very good against everybody they go against. But, um, yeah, I mean, does it – I mean, apparently it does take time because <laughs> – we did yes the answer is yes mmb4 we underestimated <laughs> can't dispute that have nothing with which to dispute that raffman 68 i have a hunch that some of the players are battling a notion that they are afraid to disappoint their position coach trying too hard and not performing up to grade is there a sports psychologist on staff to help if this is a problem there 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 are sports psychologists on staff there were before miss mrs miss selking stepped in last year that's that part is covered that's not being overlooked uh but i mean it was kind of why i asked about the weight of the world today with marcus freeman because i, I mean I, I, no, I it's how can you not suspect that knowing the way that harry he stand coaches that if they're not moving their feet at times there's a degree of hesitancy and it could very well be caused by the repercussions of them not performing well with their line coach my issue is, are the repercussions you're coming out? Because if that was a repercussion, they'd be out. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I, I wouldn't. No, but if you don't have somebody better to to put in there, 
How I like, think they I want Harry yeah. Houston yelling at you in practice doesn't strike me as like the weight of the world as much as like you're zero and two at Notre Dame on a team that was supposed to contend. No, for I'm not. I'm yeah, not saying that and weight. I'm not saying that and weight of the world. I we're, I'm kind of bunching it together, but you. I mean, you can imagine. Look, you know how did Tommy Kramer react to Harry? He stands coaching. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he became a, he then he became a better. He got older and had more experience, but he became a better offensive lineman because he didn't feel like the offensive line coach was ready to you know go berserk on him. So I'm I I think it's a legitimate question. Uh, I think it's more you know defensively every time you change defensive coordinators there's an adjustment period. I live at four. That's a bit, or I'm sorry. Three. I don't know that much. Three. What was, what was Clark Lee's adjustment period? Uh, they went to the playoff and were the best unit. In well, the- but I mean, like out of, like right out of the gate. I mean, maybe, maybe my statement here is proving. proving but that, I mean, that was that. like, he was on staff. Yeah. The system yeah. True. was similar. True. Like there were True. some tweaks to it, but I right. think that- terminology is going to be the same. And yeah. then Freeman has leaned into like, no, this is Al Golden's defense. Right. Like he can right. do what he would. It doesn't seem yeah. as similar as it was from Elko. I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know that there's any coach other than he standing where you would say, wow, the players are kind of, wow, they're a little bit, they're a little bit scared of his, his bark and bite. I don't know that there's anybody like that. Otherwise on the staff, is there? I mean, L, L. Washington is is Mike Elston was the audible. same. Mike Elston was just as audible as anybody else. I mean, yeah, and I think Elston could be. I think Elston was probably harder on them in terms of criticism. Uh, legit question, but you know, it's still they have Stucky. a sports. They, they, looks the they most have, angry. No, they have sports psychologists on staff, and I think it's uh, a lack of execution. Can we say that? I mean, yeah. I, I know nobody wants to hear that, but I think it's a lack of execution. I was about to say Stucky looks the most angry because his receivers drop catchable balls. His quarterbacks miss the receivers that are open and they run awful routes so that he looks pretty mad. It'd be to and me he's sometimes. also like, I can go out there and do this guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I believe <laughs> that he can. He's pining for the nine guys at Baylor that ran a four, two last year too. That didn't hurt. Insane ND Tucson. We've heard about the documented lack of turnovers. Does the first interception come this week? If so, who? I'm, I don't know. Like Jack Plummer, he's the one that's committing the turnover. I don't know which defensive player does. Where's I, Graham Mertz when you need Graham Mertz to throw the yeah. linebackers? <laughs> I mean, I don't know which player does uh, defensively, but yes, I'm I'm guaranteeing that. Oh boy, Kaiser, <laughs> you better have Kaiser show up, Tim. <laughs> I'm guaranteeing that Notre Dame forces a turnover this week, and yeah, I'm gods are there, and I'm and point. I'm placing a small wager on multiple turnovers, multiple turnovers. I, I like Jack Kaiser. Um, Allie, that's who I was going to choose for the first interception. Really? Okay. Yeah. Right, well, I don't know which one. He had a couple Jack, last year. He's, Jack Plummer is <laughs> going to have the first turnover. He had a couple last year. And he had a couple, or he had one the uh, previous year with a fumble recovery when he barely played. Remember, we were all pining for Jack Kaiser to play Buck when they kept playing Shane Simon? Yeah. I think it, we were right. Just as, as long as the first turnover on Saturday isn't Drew Pine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, no, it can't be when Xavier Carlton is pursuing him and he's and he can't see by him now i don't know about i'm not i'm making no predictions about that i'm talking about the defense here we have a related question here any davis any davis too is there a scenario where drew pine is a net plus to the offense yeah i think i think there is i think the emotional spark drink everybody take a drink (laughs) the emotional spark that uh that he can provide yeah look the I mean, I, I, I think we're pretty safe in saying that 
his teammates respect what a team first guy that he is. Uh, I think he can be a little bit more accurate than, than Buckner overall. I, I don't know. I mean, net plus this week over the long haul, when you start getting into BYU and Clemson and, you know, on down the road, even, you know, I mean, even BC defensively, their secondary, uh, but I can't look, I, if you notice no questions about what's going to happen the rest of the season, we're not going to answer. We're not going to try to answer questions like that. It's hard enough to, especially under the circumstances at quarterback and the instability at offensive line and thinking the defensive line, all we can, all we can speculate on is Cal. And I think Notre Dame has a, a decent chance of winning the game this week. I think so. They're 10 point favorites. So they have to have an okay chance. Um, but they may, maybe it shouldn't be, but uh, let, me, let me insert the, the stat that I said while we were talking off the air under Justin Wilcox, Kel is 23 and nine against the spread as an underdog. So they're an underdog a lot. Yeah. And they're a 10 and a half point underdog this weekend. Uh, those are what's the percentage of that, Tim? I have a net. I have a net plus 32 covers. I have a net plus for uh, Drew Pine. Possibly I might steal Samson's. Uh, if the quick game materializes and he's getting the ball okay. out and everything gets more rhythm and they're able to get some work to styles on the perimeter and Tyree gets involved in the screen game. Maybe he throws a better screen game than Tyler Buckner. Maybe those guys that we expected to see Chris, I expected to see the Chris Tyree we saw on RPOs against Toledo and that beautiful screen against Oklahoma state this year, which is why I bet you- so much on the over in the Ohio state reception thing. Um, that could be a net plus if Drew Pine can do that. Can yeah, you I'd, add to that scenario of uh, of uh, a net plus? Yes. Uh, I don't expect this to be like going from the Vanderbilt game to the Wake Forest game when you went from Wimbush to Book, but like a very toned down version of that where I think the quick game is more in Notre Dame's favor opposed to a deep shot play action offense. Um and it's, I think that I don't know if that's easier to call for Tommy Reese, but I think it'll be a much more of a pass first approach this weekend. But it's going to be a lot of passes 15 yards and in. Yeah, I find it interesting. I mean, they call do they call it a two four five? They do call it a two four five that what Kel runs, and it's really, it's really Our a insider form- did. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's right. It's really a four, it's a four man front with two stand up guys on the outside. And you talked about the size of Xavier Carlton. I mean, he's really a, he's really a he's a DN size guy, but you see him in a in a two point stance. So they have their two interior their interior defense alignment are in a three point stance, and then they have two upright guys threatening the line of scrimmage, flanking them. Um, so I mean, it's a little bit tricky. I look at that and say, shouldn't you be able to run the football a little bit better against that kind of alignment? I, I mean, it hasn't really materialized, uh, but. Cal has played, you know, UC Davis and UNLV. So, right. I don't know. I see gold. Do you anticipate the offense running more tempo going forward? Watching the Marshall game, I was frustrated by the constant need of Buckner to check with the sideline once he got set up at the line of scrimmage. Is it me or does the entire operation seem really slow? Pete? I I don't know. I, I am not perturbed by the lack of tempo in Notre Dame's offense, I think, as much as fans are. Um, so 
I don't know if I don't I don't know why they would run more tempo all of a sudden. I don't know if running tempo with Drew Pine gives you any kind of an advantage. It's like when running tempo is a good thing, run tempo. But I don't know if this week running tempo was a good thing. I mean, they ran more tempo against Marshall. Like you always hear tempo, and then after the first series, you don't see it again. But they went back to it as the game went on, and I thought that mm-hmm. they. I mean, I think just I tempo is not the you know, be all end all salve for, for all the problems that you have offensively. But I mean, I think just think in general, when you, when you put a defense in a situation where they have to line up right away again, and they probably, you know, I, I know if they try to substitute, then the, the ref, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. slow the game down. But if you just line up again, you know, and, and run it again, I think that you derive a, a bit of an advantage. And I thought that they went back to it at times last week. I don't, Everybody has, remember years ago, Tim, when I, when offenses first started stopping and checking with the, the, yeah. the sideline. And I'm like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in college football, <laughs> but a lot of teams do that now. And so I don't know that it's necessarily inhibiting because Tommy Reese is up in the booth and contrary to what people may think he can see things down, looking down the field that will be to his advantage in changing the play. So <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because I want to read you. What year okay. was that? I'm like, this is the worst damn thing that's happened to football. <laughs> I think, so for me, it was always when the read option became prevalent. I hate watching it. My friend sent me a text. He's They're both my age, my grade, I like to say. He sent me a text that said, is it me or is there nothing worse than watching the read option? The Eagles run it like 40 times a game. He just moved to Philly and I wrote back, oh, you're preaching to the choir, <laughs> to which my buddy, a Bears, ex-Bears or a Bears fan wrote, and Jack will love this. I agree. Line up and give it to Peyton like a man. <laughs> I was just thinking, I think football has evolved past what we are used to. So I guess tempo and checking with the sidelines and the read option and the, the, read, and the spread. Will be but I mean, that, you know, in retrospect, the read option is a pain in the neck for defenses because yeah. the quarterback if he reads it properly it's also part of what makes fans mad though because everything seems slow developing like when you don't gain yards it seems slow but when you do gain yards it seems fast so that's yeah i think that's part of the situation tony rice and the read option <laughs> unstoppable yeah i mean or they just, were unstoppable. Or you just hand it your waters like a man or better yeah right there right, right. well and they had they had wishbone <laughs> they had the deception of the wishbone and and what have you but yeah i i do think i yes i think they'll run more tempo moving forward i do sub fan why do you think Notre Dame passed on a transfer at quarterback? Did they think Buckner was better than Keaton Slovis and JT Daniels, or did Reese think he could scheme his way to victory? There was more to the question. I pared it down there, but uh, <laughs> something had more to say on that one. Yeah, I I think that it was part of it a chemistry issue that if you bring in another guy, you know what happens with Buckner, which is now a greater concern because guys leave it to the drop of a hat, not necessarily that Tyler Buckner would have left right away. Um, you know, I thought Keaton Slovis would have been a good idea for all of his faults. He's an extremely veteran quarterback. And when I first heard it, I'm like, yeah, okay, that'll work uh, better. Anyway, did Reese think he could scheme his way to victory? I, I can't speak to that, but I think that he feels comfortable in, the scheme that he runs and probably felt like he could teach Tyler Buckner everything he needed to, to know heading into the first year, but as a starter, but um, 
I would have brought in a, a, a transfer quarterback. We talked about at the time. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I would have done that. Yeah, I, th- I think that they thought that they could develop Buckner faster than what he showed through two games. That doesn't even get into like the injury part of it. I think they thought Buckner was going to be farther along than he was. Um, so, but the injury you know, part of it was so significant. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. The inability to play is important. Um, but I, I understand why they didn't do it. If you said they didn't do it again next year, I would say there would be roster mismanagement. I understand why they didn't do it in that you are disrupting a chemistry of the room and a quarterback can now leave immediately. Immediately. You could leave as soon as Keaton Slovis or JT Daniels comes in. I disagree. I think they should bring in the best talent they could possibly get because they're paying players to play football now. And if they want to leave, they can leave and get paid somewhere else. Um, We do know from very good authority that they could have had JT Daniels and they chose not to. Uh, Yes, that, that is true. Now, would you have taken JT Daniels? Yes. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, of course we would say, yeah, because I, I, I it's not, yes, I don't have no. to worry about the, the, the room though. Like, like Reese and, and Freeman do, you know, I, I don't at all. I mean, right. Yeah. yeah that, that, is, that has to be, I, I mean, would have yeah. taken JT Daniels. Cause I'd like to have him start against Cal. Yeah. Right. There you go. I mean, I, I, can get. I agree with what you said. And, and that's why, I mean, I usually fall on the side of what a coach would decide because that is the reality of the game. That's yeah. Let me played. Quarterback's a different position, but Tim, we just spent the last two weeks talking about Marshall's transfers and how they helped Marshall and Cal's transfers and how they helped Cal. And they disrupted the rooms they went into by yeah. going to those rooms. And John now, Sott disrupted the punter room and look at him now. He's the best transfer Notre Dame has. There was, there was no punter room. He, he, <laughs> That's true. He, That's true. He started the punter room. <laughs> he has effectively benched McPherson for a year. Yeah. J-R-I-X-68. Do you have any concerns about the job? Matt Bayless and his strength training program has done. The defense looks gassed in the fourth quarters, despite rotating players often. The offense has been a step slow and weaker than their competition. Do you think these are signs this Notre Dame team is not as well conditioned as it should be? I think this mm-hmm. is a great question because I never have any concerns about what Matt Bayless is doing. I think he's, well, as, I mean, renowned, we- he's as renowned as you get, but Notre Dame's defense has to rotate out Isaiah Foskey in the most important drive of two games. I don't get it. And I don't get why Notre Dame's offensive line looks so unathletic as a whole when I did not think that would be the case. Yeah, I think it's a fair question. Yeah. And, you know, I think Freeman was asked about GPS numbers in the fourth quarter and said basically they're the same, um, you know, that he's focused more on like the plays that were missed in the first and second quarter that could have given you a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter and then, and then rotating maybe would be okay. A little bit more. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You're right. I don't understand the rotation as it is in tight games. Um, I'll be, I'm very interested to sort of see how that changes this weekend. Cause that's not something that you're going to publicize in a press conference, but we'll all see it on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a fair question. I, I think that Freeman would have to look back at this at the end of the season and be like, all right, is our, is our conditioning where it should be also, we don't know what their practices look like. Are their practices too physical? Nobody, nobody cares about That's people the flip applaud side, yeah. physical practices mm-hmm. when you're winning. When you're losing, 
it, the opposite is true. So I, I think that's also something Freeman will probably have to take a look at and be like, did we actually hit too much for the sake of trying to be tough? We have a story coming out on irishillustrated.com. It's a blog, according to Brian Kelly, that um, I detailed the substitution patterns. And uh, so Isaiah Foskey, Jason Adamiola, Howard Cross, Riley Mills, and Justin Adamiola, those are the five guys that have started this year. Four of them obviously started this past week. They played 235 snaps Saturday. Their five reserves played 32. Yo. Jordan Botello, who was a reserve linebacker, played 17 more. So if you want to make the reserves play in 49, you can, but he was playing linebacker for the other linebackers. Yeah. Um, Ramon Henderson played six, famously, as Pete and I have talked about. They were very impactful on both sides, six. And uh, Xavier Watts played 11. They just rotated at some really bad times, like some really bad times. It's, again, Jaden Mickey did not rotate in for Tariq Bracey on the most important touchdown of the season so far. Second most important, I guess now. He had to be in. but. That's not that many snaps for the reserves, right? How do you, I mean, Aaron's Burger's first snaps. You said, you said to me, Tim, Aaron's Burger's in. And I go, they're his first snaps of the season. He's in on the most important drive of the year. This is really weird. I just found it strange. I don't don't understand that. I don't, I don't understand how there can be 11 minutes to go in the game. And Isaiah Foskey's not on the field. Now, having said that, to get back to the question, I mean, we, we see video of this first, let me just clarify. There are a lot of blogs out there. Irish Illustrated is not one of them. <laughs> it was a famous, uh, that was a famous Brian <laughs> Kelly quote, right? There's yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, hey, we, I mean, you saw the, and I realize this is a snippet, but you saw the, the summer workouts and some of the stuff that Bayless was putting them through. I, I mean, I would, I would actually, I would say that preseason practice, I would be more likely to say, because I haven't seen it, that preseason practices were overly physical and, and that, or maybe even midweek practices are overly physical to a, to a detriment to the team. I think I would suspect that because we, we, uh, we, we know how Freeman ran his defensive practices last year. Um, I would suspect that more than Matt Bayless is not conditioning them hard enough. Yes, I would too. I would I agree. I do not agree on that part of the question. That's the great. That's a great way of putting it, Tim. I completely agree with you. All right, I got lucky there. Ben Bockledge asks Freeman, Reese, and Golden, and their comments to the media appear lost, as if they really don't know what to do. That doesn't mean they are, but did you all get the same sense? I no. do not. I think they're exasperated, though. I think Golden can't believe that they played that well for most of the game at Ohio state and gave it up at the end. And I think he's shocked that Marshall had the drive. Like I was, it's, it's, we're exasperated. People are always like, how's Notre Dame media so wrong. They were number five in the country. Everybody was wrong. Like, this is weird. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is a I, strange thing. I, I, I think like I tried to throw out every warning sign about Marshall, all the things that they did well, especially yeah defensively but at the end of the day i were we who, who's going to pick an upset i'm only smart sta- i mean yeah. come on no it's, no it's the big all right everybody being wrong it's the biggest upset at notre dame stadium since 1995 well, you don't so, know yeah. what the hell you're talking about so we missed it we did yeah uh, you know who didn't miss it kirk herbstreet he said three he said two or three times Saturday morning that that's pretty watch good. Watch out, watch out, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the other guys 
downplayed it a little bit and he said, watch out. And so when people tell me, not just because of this, but when people say that Kirk Herbstreet sucks and doesn't know what he's talking about, that's, that's definitely absurd. better than his prediction of Nebraska winning the Big Ten West. Ooh, ouch. They still could. They made the change early. Look, All I got to do is look, fire coaches, Pete. We are in the business of making a lot. Isn't that what people, they want our yeah. opinion. And so we make some predictions and yes, we are going to be very, very wrong many times. Um, many times. I think we're right way more, but those don't get brought up nearly as much. But do I sense it? You know, they're, well, first of all, probably Golden and Reese. I, when did, when were they informed that they were going to have to talk to the media <laughs> on, on Tuesday? No, I, I think I, I just disagree with the, the point here. Like, yeah, Freeman, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, 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 exas- they're exasperated, yeah. you know, he frustrating, he golden used that word, of course. And then they have to answer question after question after question that are all about negative things that, that happen. I mean, they're not clueless as much as we want to think that they they are based upon being 0-2, but I think that they're exasperated and uh, they pick up the net and all they have to do is beat Cal and sit with us again next Tuesday. Boy, it will be more awkward if they don't. Yeah. (laughs) Did going from Tariqo to Jack Collinsworth on the broadcast affect the optics and feel of how much a disaster this game was? I wonder if it made Notre Dame football feel cheaper or diminished. I, I don't I even know how to. expected to hate the broadcast, and I enjoyed the broadcast. I thought they did a fine job. And obviously, Mike Tirico's better at his job than Jack Collinsworth, but guess what? There's a lot of podcasters better at their job than me, so that's fine. Mike Tirico is amazing, and it is Jack Collinsworth bring as much professionalism and draw than Mike Tirico? He does not. It's fine. Whatever. He did a good job, didn't he? Do you think he did a poor job on this? I mean, it's his first. I do not. I do I think not he think well. he did a poor job. He didn't. Yeah, I don't. I like he didn't overstep his bounds, which is smart. I hated him on this little stupid pregame sideline stuff. I thought it was the lamest stuff you could put on television. I agree. And I, I agree. think he did a wonder. I think he did a good job. He, ke- he kept the he kept the narrative rolling. And I, Pete, I know that. Like I like Jason Garrett. I thought he did. Yeah. I, I liked him. I did. I I didn't think he did fine. I liked him. I thought he did a good job. But, I thought. I, he, but your I liked him more as the game went on. Um, I thought that he had some. It, it was like he had a bad script at the beginning of the game. That was like I gotta. I gotta have. I got these quotes on my script. I gotta say them. Are you kidding me? And then then he moved on. Once he got into the flow, I thought he was good. I thought Jack Collinsworth did a nice job too. Um, look, if if you're okay with Chris Zorch and a kilt on the sideline, then you're, you should be fine with Jack Collinsworth, Jason Garrett. I was going like, to say, I, there I don't a, want to hear about cheapening the broadcast. They've replaced, they replaced the, the, the awful beginning with Collinsworth and Robinson with the lamest halftime show. I have seen in a long time and I had yeah, to get rid of it. I couldn't was, go through it. That was, that was not good. It was, it, it, I mean, it was, that was, that part was amateurish. I thought Collinsworth did fine. I like Jason Garrett. I think when he just, uh, he's as best when he's taught, just commenting on football as opposed yeah, yes. to, you know, trying to add a little bit more excitement with what, what was it? He said, Pete, are you kidding me? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think that comes off as real comfortable. <laughs> I am not but, kidding you. Okay. <laughs> and if it, if it cheapens or diminishes, I mean, I, you know, I don't think it impacted Norton losing the game. That's just a perception that that listeners have to deal with, I guess. I don't know, but anyway, we're going to end this segment by uh, making predictions on this weekend's game. We, we talked about more things than Cal. 
but now it's time for you guys to predict Notre Dame versus Cal this weekend. I feel like Notre Dame will play pretty well, but I don't think it's going to be a real attractive product uh, to watch. I would be, I feel like in a lot of ways, Tommy Reese probably has a better handle on Drew Pine than he ever had on Tyler Buckner. Based on the fact that he's been around longer, I think there's more of Pine's game that Reese shares. I think Pine shares a lot of Ian Book similarities. Reese knows how to call that kind of a game. So, I mean, the, the problem for Notre Dame is, and when I talked to Book about this, he when he talked about taking deep shots, Book's, and he says, like, you know, when I, you, you put the ball out there for your playmakers to make a play, like you just put the ball up for Chase Claypool to go get it. And he's like, yeah, but I know there's no Chase Claypool there anymore. Um, so that I think that really sort of keeps a lid on the offense. I don't think a lot of Cal's offense, and I think Notre Dame will play well defensively. So in a bit of an homage to uh, a Notre Dame tradition, they're going to figure out how to win this game 18 to 12, and it'll be an overture into the rest of the season. <laughs> 18 to 12. Nice. <laughs> Very clever. Yes. Very clever. Uh, I use the word attractive. I would be shocked if this is an attractive game. Absolutely shocked. I'll be surprised if Notre Dame plays poorly, though. I think they have a lot of pride. Drew, Drew Pine will be ready to go. Um, I'll also be surprised if the Notre Dame defense plays poorly. I That would be a big surprise to me against Cal's offense. They have good players. They're a better unit than they've shown, and they've been good for 80% of the game. 80% is fair to say, at least. I mean, they, they had some problems against Marshall more than they did Ohio State. But um, I'd be surprised if they don't play well. I don't know what to expect from Drew Pine over 60 minutes because we've never seen it. Wow, that's true. So you he's got played, a score? He's played a half, and he's played uh, part of a half or a little bit more. And his other his, – his half against Wisconsin, he did, a, he did a good job. He did spark them, take a drink. Um, but he also had two defensive touchdowns at Chris Tyree. So he had some help in that game in the Wisconsin blowout comeback. I am going to sneak this game over because it's too easy for me to pick under at like six to four. So I'm going in the – 23 to 19 range in the cheapest over you'll ever find because I feel like if you asked me to put $500 down, I'd say under right away and I am scarred from the Chris Tyree bet. So I am going to go over Notre Dame 23 Cal 19 and every week is going to be a close struggle. Uh, and, and you guys tell me what some of the other uh, drinking game words that will come out of Drew Pine besides spark or spark plug or some form of that leader. Sparky. Well, leaders on leaders going to be there. Moxie Moxie should be a drink mm -hmm. for sure. Um, gamer. Might, yeah. Oh, oh, gamer. oh yeah. Gamers. Gamers. Well, Jim rats yeah. coming too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If His it was dad's not a coach, but I think they'll probably still describe him as the son of a coach. <laughs> it's not basketball, but he's going to be a gym rat. There is no doubt. There yeah. is going to film be a, junkie. Yeah. Film junkie lives. It lives in the Goog. He moved into yep. the Goog lives in the Goog. There's one. Um, yeah, uh, and Pete, I want you. I want to drive home a point you made. He can't run too much because their other quarterback just started with the varsity on uh, Monday. Boy, yeah, and know. that's like he needs to run behind the line of scrimmage. Like he's got right, right. He's got a little bit of Ian Book in him. I think that will also be on the list of things that are said about uh, Drew Pine <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah, his dive for a touchdown has to be like we got to win this game in the fourth quarter thing. He can't be. He can't take chances in this game. No. That's that's tough. Okay, it, low scoring, obviously, Tim. I, it, it could be just one of those kind of games that slips over. But I tell you what, I don't think if there's one thing that I feel the most strongly about, and so, you know, when I'm wrong here, I, we can I can be ripped for it. But 
the defense is going to do a very, very good job against Kell's offense. Now, if you can't score more than, if you can't score more than 13 points, uh, you. you know, then you, Wisconsin. then you could be, yeah. They did so well against Wisconsin. Those teams combined for 60. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In an well, all-time rock fight. <laughs> yeah. And I do think, I do, I, I can see it. I, you know what I see defensively? Did I say that? I see a scoop and score. Yeah. Well, there's Those are points too. That's, they count that's when you have the over. So can, can that be the first turnover? I mean, could the first could turnover be, be like uh, Kaiser. Jordan Patello? <laughs> Foskey forces and one of the linebackers swoops in and uh, and scoops and scores. But low scoring, my prediction will be in the uh, in the preview on uh, Friday. We've let this segment go too long as it is. We're going to wrap it up with that. O'Malley and Priester from the press box pregame Notre Dame Cal on Saturday. Yes, Tim? Quicker than he looks. There's part of your drinking game for Drew Pine when he escapes trouble. Quicker than he looks. Quicker than he looks. Until Saturday, thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.